Amen. Thank you very much, church. And uh, let's let's look at what we're going to look at today as we've been in a series called Finding God in the Dark. And it's been a wonderful series. Um, I have not been able to have any interviews or have any kind of court presentations. I'm just a preacher. I, I, I just got to I just got to stay in my lane the best I can. If that's all right. And I'll just be honest with you. I feel like preaching this message today. And I, I got to watch this clock. And I got to take my, I got to really be careful because it's one of those days when you just feel like preaching because the message is so rich and I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today is finding God in the dark when it comes to spiritual apathy, when it comes to kind of being low in the spirit, not really engage. Perhaps your faith is weak. Perhaps you're just not in touch with God the way it used to be. Perhaps things just don't move you like they used to. And you're just kind of in a place right now where you're not really sure. Kind of in a place right now where you're you're not strong. You're you're questioning things. You're not really confident about where you are in God. Some of you feel like you're on the fence. Some of you feel like you're ready to back away from commitments, from things that you used to do, some things that used to make you excited. And right now, spiritual things just aren't re- doing it for you. It's just not connecting the way it used to connect. And so I want to start by reading uh, from Ephesians, the good old book of Ephesians. What a, what a power-packed book that has just a little bit of everything we need as believers. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at three verses there, verses 10 11, 12, and 13, that's four verses, sorry. Ephesians chapter 6, here's what the apostle says. Finally, a final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. This is an NLT I'm reading from, even though it's NIV on the screen. Put Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy. Somebody say resist. Resist the enemy. In the time of evil, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. After the battle, you still will be standing firm. I need you to help me preach this morning. And I need you to look to a neighbor. That's somebody next to you. Look to your neighbor. Don't look on your webcam at your home. See if anybody's looking in your house. I'm talking about somebody right next to you. Look at your neighbor and say, Nerber, neighbor, Nerber, Nerber. Y'all was, at least you were listening. That's what's good. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh, neighbor, I'm fighting my way out of this. Now, you didn't say that with confidence. You got to say that like a black preacher. You got to say that like you just had some greens and some cornbread. Come on. I need you to preach that to your neighbor. Let's look to the other neighbor. I want you to declare it. Come on, just be strong. Look at their face. Say, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. I'm fighting my way out of this. Yeah. I like what Doug said. Yeah. 
That's, that's the yell you say when you're getting ready to do something. That's the yell you say when something's getting ready to get started. And I love because I feel like Paul wrote that with that kind of emphasis. I feel like Paul was saying something dangerous when he said what he wrote here in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is laying it out for the believer. He's making it clear for us that we are in a battle. He's saying we need to be strong in the Lord. We need to put on God's armor, not the armor that you fight with, right? Not the things that you have developed that make you feel strong. We're talking about the armor that the Lord gives us. How many of you realize that you can't fight certain battles your own way? You can't. When you fight it in your way, it never works. When you fight it in your way, it always gets worse. When you use your wisdom, when you post what you want to say on Facebook, when you say what you want to say, it always gets worse. But there are some ways we're supposed to fight, and that's in the spirit. And put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand all against all the strategies of the devil. You know what that tells me? That the devil is strategic. That tells me that the devil is a little bit of a surgeon, a little bit of an engineer, a little bit of a war general, he's strategic. He's not just reacting. He's not just happenstance. He is setting up a strategy against you. He is trying to be two or three moves ahead of you. He knows what you like. He knows what you don't like. He knows when you're in certain moods, and he likes to put certain people in your path just because he knows that eventually that's going to mess up their day. He's strategic. And that's why we can't go through life as believers not with a strategy. Sometimes we find ourselves in the dark because we arrived at a place that we were not strategic in arriving to. We got lost. We got distracted. We just went through life, and we found ourselves in a place of darkness. And the devil is strategic. And then he begins to go even deeper. He begins to go into a little bit deeper of his thesis. He gets deeper. He begins to open the curtain for us in the cosmic world. And begins to throw some things out that really should make you a little bit nervous if you've ever never really considered the reality of this. He says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. See, some of you don't believe me right now. Some of you have been taught that a person of a certain color is your enemy. Some of you have been taught that a person from a specific country is your enemy. Some of you have been taught that a person that believes this way is your enemy. They are not your enemy. The person that hurts you is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. This, see, that's, that's the the strategy of the enemy to hide himself and present himself in ways to make himself not take the credit or the blame for it. He wants us to believe our fight's with you. He wants us to believe our fight is with the church across the street or the neighborhood over here or, the, or this person or that person. That's not where our fight is. Paul begins to say, look, as a believer, you got to understand our fight is in the spirit. And that's why you can't fight people in certain ways. Look, this is what he says. But against evil rulers, that's people who make decisions. That's people in charge of stuff. And authorities in the unseen world, that's the places you can't see. I'm just telling you, that ought to make you nervous. 
at least at, at just by reading that, to understand that there are mighty powers in this dark world against evil spirits in heavenly places, in high places, in places of authority. We are living in a cosmic battle. We are living in a place where the enemy is trying to be strategic against us. We are living in a place that if we're not careful and we're not paying attention, we will find ourselves confined and alone in this dark world. But as believers, we have power. As believers, we have understanding. As believers, we have weapons that we can use. And Paul finishes what he's saying by at the end of all this, he says, put on all of the armor. Don't just put it on Sabbath. Don't just put it on Friday night. Put on all of the armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be able to stand. Can I just tell you about that word resist? That word resist does not mean take a punch. That word resist means to push back. See, some of y'all didn't, didn't get that. Try, you, don't, you don't believe me. The word resist doesn't mean how many punches can you take. The word resist doesn't mean, well, you just, you just do your best to survive. Paul is telling us not only do we resist, but we give one of those roundhouse, you know, I don't, I don't watch MMA or whatever that is. I don't watch that. But when, when he punches, we're, we're ducking, taking a punch, and then giving a kick. At the end of the day, there's not two people standing. There's one person standing, and that's you. Yeah, that I'm standing over the enemy I just knocked out. That, that's what he's talking about. Not just withstanding and taking it, but resisting, fighting back with armor, with weapons. See, when we find ourselves sometimes in the dark of spiritual, spiritual apathy, sometimes we're literally in a place where we don't feel anything. We're numb, confused, doubt. And listen, we all get there, and we all don't get there for the same reasons. But what I want to encourage you with today is that there's some things I want to share with you, and I want to go in detail, some tools to give you so that you can at least have the tools, have those weapons, so that you may not only just resist, but be able to stand against all the enemy is bringing to you. So speaking of Mother's Day, when I was in high school, I didn't do what my mom told me to do. Actually, it wasn't high school. I'll take that back. It was a little bit after high school. I was still acting like a high schooler, though. Friday night, I know better, Doug. It was late. It's one of those Seattle Fridays when the sun doesn't really set to like 10, 1030. Friends told me, hey, there's a party over here at this place. It's at one of those lodges. Big party. It's going to be a lot of people. It's Friday, and I'm thinking, well, I can go to the party and probably sneak out about 10, 1030 because the sun will still be a little bit bright. It's Friday night. And I don't know what it is about my mom. I, I don't know if she has some sort of chip wired in me. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know how she sees my thoughts. I don't know if she has some sort of, you know, intuition from the Holy Spirit. She's a prophet. I don't understand it. But I remember 
getting ready. We're all getting ready. And I'm, I'm wa literally walking out the door. My mom's like, where are you going? I had learned one rule. I better not ever lie to her. I learned that the hard way, okay? I learned it the hard way. Somebody said, hey, man, we got the same mom. We must have, we must have been brothers. If you're going to do one thing, you better not lie to mom because you will remember that for the rest of your life. So walking out the door, grown man, where are you going? So I said, uh, ah, ain't no line. I can't go say I'm going to the store. I just say, yeah, going to a party with my friends. Now, she respected me, had a job, had a car, handled my business, right? Still living at home. What she said was, don't go tonight. And it wasn't like I'm telling you not to go. It was almost like she saw something. And she said, don't go. Don't go there tonight. Well, she wasn't commanding me. She was advising me not to go. So I said, okay, mom. And I went. Didn't lie to her, but I didn't know what she told me. So when I got to the party, it was probably like the best party I've ever seen. We got there probably about 9 o'clock. And usually a party doesn't kick off that early, but for this time it was. Music was on point. Sound was killing. And I saw some of the most beautiful girls I had ever seen in one room. All kind of Beyonce's and all over the room. I'm trying to figure out what, this is the right party, okay? I made a great decision. We're all swagged out, right? Jordans, everything, chains, we are looking good. We're set. We get in there, and the party is on point, okay? I'm just telling you, it was a good party. It was great. It was awesome. Things are going well. Girls are dancing, all right? Skirts are short. Everything a 19, 20-year-old young man wants to see at the party, everything is on point. Now, as I may have mentioned to you, I've grown up in the inner city. So I've grown up to develop very good deductive reasoning skills and a good sense of danger. And so I had my danger signals on just in case. I knew where to be in the room just in case because there's always a just in case. So we're, things are going well. I'm with about six, seven of our friends. And about, I don't know what time it was, but we heard this sound. Actually, I take it back. I was sitting towards kind of the back of the room. It was in this like mason hall. So it was like only just a few windows on the side. There was only one door. And I'm sitting towards the back of the room. And out the corner of my eye, I see four guys walk in. And when they walk in the door, I notice immediately that my signal picks up. I just know this isn't good. Now, I'm not profiling, but I'm just saying this isn't good. And so I'm looking, I see him walk in, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep an eye on that. Now, a friend of mine uh, was already kind of close to that side of the door, and I'm just doing my thing, having a good time. I look over, I don't see him. A few minutes later, I hear, kind of in the distance, right? So, you know, I'm like, oh, 
So I look towards the door. I don't see anybody, but I see flashing. I know what that is. Anybody need help? We good? We're okay. Somebody's shooting some guns, right? So, and they're automatic. So I look over to the door because my friend's at the door, and he's standing there, and, and people kind of in the party hear it too. And so the music kind of comes down. Then all of a sudden somebody says, oh, that's some firecrackers. And the music goes back up. Now, I'm just saying, firecrackers or not, I'm keeping my eye on the door. And sure enough, a few minutes later, I see them walking in with guns. No security, no police, nobody's there. Walking in with guns. I hear the guns go off. Pop, 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 pop. Now, at this point, everybody knows that this is, this is real. Now, here's what's crazy. There's one door in the back. There's a little, just one little door in the front, and there's windows everywhere. When the guns start going off, it's absolutely pandemonium, crazy, insane, okay? I saw girls that I, I was watching all night with looking great. I saw one girl break a window with, one, with her elbow and jump out the window. I'm not lying. You can laugh because it was funny. I'm not even lying to you. She was like, I mean, she was dancing mid-dance. Bam! Broke the window and jumped out. I said, man, that's a bad sister right there. Get her number after this is over with. And I mean, it was pandemonium. Now, look, I, I, know, I know I'm telling the story in a funny way, but it was funny. Some things were funny. And so people are losing their mind, going crazy. So I run because I'm looking for my friends. I run out. And at this point, police have shown up. And it is absolutely crazy. I run outside the door, and there is a police officer Let's just say he's not there in a friendly manner. I walk out the door to a police officer, shotgun to the chest, telling me to get on my hands and knees, which I obey. I'm on my hands and knees, right? Now, here's, here's, here's what I'm looking at. I'm just telling you the context I grew up in. I'm not looking for anybody running. I'm looking for people who are walking, Anybody grew up in a neighborhood like me? I'm just telling you. Anybody that's calm in that situation, that's what I'm scared for. So there's people, there's just a few people calmly walking to their car. And that's who I'm keeping my eye on. Now, I got, I got, I'm like this, hands up, literally on my knees, drawn down, and I'm not paying attention to what he's saying. My hands are up, and I'm looking around, and he's looking around. It's crazy. There's a guy who walks behind him with a gun. I just thought I'd say, uh, I didn't know what to say, right? Because I, <laughs> I just don't want to break his con concentration. I wanted him to take his gun with him. So I just waited, and sure enough, he walks by. There's people going in his trunk. It's mayhem. So when he sees, he pursues him. I'm surprised nobody was shot. I'm surprised nobody was killed. I ran. I don't even know how we got out of there. But we got out, and I got home, and I had to tell my mom 
what happened. Here, here's why I'm telling you that story. Because that's the world that we're living in. We are living in a complete, chaotic, crazy world, and we are in danger. And some of us will make some mistakes. First of all, we try to make a mistake by being friends with the gunman. Try to make it, we make the mistake of feeling, well, maybe I'll just be comfortable and used to the person that is going to cause me harm. Maybe I'll just get used to this. Maybe it's okay for me to just figure out what this lifestyle is and I'm comfortable. You know, I'll be able to recognize things when it gets bad, but at least I can have a conversation with them and it won't be, I won't get in trouble. Can I just tell you that you cannot make friends with the enemy? The enemy is trying to destroy you no matter what. Second mistake that we sometimes make is try to minimize the danger. Like I told you, somebody shouted out, it's firecrackers. That's people who don't live where I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's, why they even said that. But the point of it is like people believed it. And, and when they heard the sound at first, they were terrified. Their body told them, yeah, that wasn't firecrackers. Their, their spirit told them, that's not firecrackers. But, but someone told them something that they were able to believe and grab onto and say, I'm not in as, as much danger as I think I am. And that happens all the time. We can minimize the danger. We can excuse it. We can say, oh, that's, they said this, but that's not really what they meant. Oh, they did this, but that's not really their intention. This, may, this is just a little bit of this. And we can find ourselves in the situation where there's pandemonium. And like some people in that party, we're calm. How are we calm in the storm? Either we're calm because we have something in the trunk or we're calm because we have something in our heart. It's only two things. You're only comfortable when you are comfortable or when you're comfortably uncomfortable. Does that make sense? So, so here's what Paul is trying to say. Paul is trying to say there comes a time when the evil day is coming. There comes a time when you're going to be caught in a dangerous situation. You're going to be in the dark. And what God says is, I want you not to be without tools. I want you not to be without power. I want you not to be without strength. I want you to stand and fight against the enemy. Let, let me just show you this too in Matthew chapter 24. Because some, some of us come from a background in church where we have the wrong perspective of what, how the church is going to end. Some people tend to lean on, I am going to buy as much guns as I can and some firewood and some cans of fried chicken, and I'm going to hide somewhere, right? And I'm going to get a gas mask, and I'm going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm going to hide until Jesus comes. Now, it may not be extreme as a doomsday prepper physically, but some people do that spiritually. Well, I'm going to stay away from those people. I'm going to stay away from that church. I'm going to guard myself from that preacher. I'm going to guard myself from that message until I find myself in a corner with a bunch of people who are literally hiding and watching people die. This is what Jesus said I was going to end. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 4, uh, chapter 24, starting verse 4. Jesus says, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. Now, some people, they take that literally, right? Like somebody says they're Jesus. Jesus is also saying, 
there are people who are going to provide another alternative to salvation. And they're going to say, instead of me, you can do this. Instead of this, you can do this. They're going to come and claim their Messiah and deceive many. And you will hear, now some of us who've grown up with this text have heard this so many times. You will hear of wars and threats of wars. But Jesus says, do not panic. Yes, these things must take place. But watch this. The end won't follow immediately. Another verse that says, the end has not yet come. In other words, the threat of war, the threat of violence, number one, shouldn't scare us. But secondly, that doesn't mean the end's coming yet. Look at verse 7. Nation will go against, go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world. But verse 8 says, but all of this will only be the first of birth pains with, no, with more to come. Brothers know about this part. That just simply says, when you feel that first contraction, that means you can't change your mind. Like, you know what? I, I think I'll have the baby next month. It's, it's not a good month for me. No, the baby's like, no, I'm coming. Can't stop it. Verse 9. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Not too many people thrilled about that verse. Not too many people overjoyed. Yes, I'm going to be persecuted. That's what I always wanted. Nobody feels that way about this. Persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate one another. Don't skip over that. The hate that might be coming your direction could be coming because someone is turning away from Jesus. Verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sounds like it's going downhill, doesn't it? People being deceived, earthquakes, people getting killed. This doesn't sound good. Look at verse 12. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Do we need a checklist? Do we need to check that out, see if that's applying to us? Probably. Everywhere you go. Look at this. The love of many will grow cold. No love. But verse 13 says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Here's my favorite verse because Jesus is setting it up. Yeah, there's going to be violence. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be craziness, but that's not the end. People are going to betray each other and betray me. That's not the end. People are going to cut this person off and cut that purpose, purpose person off. Not going to be the end. Here's the end. Verse 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Okay. Okay. I got it. Pastor Fred. Because this is, this is mess. Can I just tell you something real quick? Let me talk to Fred real quick. This is messing with people's theology. People think that the church is going to end running for their life. But the, but the Bible's saying that we're going to preach and then the end's going to come. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say it like this. We're not going to end like Toronto. Raptors, basketball. <laughs> church is not getting swept. The church is LeBron. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
The church is going to preach throughout the world, and everybody is going to hear it. And then the end will come. That means the church is going to end triumphant. Okay, the church is going to end strong. The church is going to be LeBron in the post. That's the way the church ends. The good news will be preached. Why? Because Jesus wants everybody to hear the good news. Jesus doesn't want anybody lost. Jesus is looking for people who will seek those in the dark. The whole world will be preached. A kingdom will be preached to the whole world so that all nations, that's nations who don't speak our language. That's nations who aren't comfortable with our countries. That means everybody is going to hear it and then the end comes. Jesus comes triumphantly, the church triumphantly. In other words, we are standing and we are resisting and we're knocking stuff out. We are standing and we are fighting and we are knocking the enemy out. That's how we end. And so it makes sense why the enemy wants you in the dark. Hiding. Jesus come yet? Did y'all hear anything yet? Oh. You sure about that? Is Jesus, no, nobody heard from Jesus yet? Okay, I'm going to be right here. So let me know when you hear from Jesus. Oh, did you hear about a fight? There's a fight going on in the church. That's okay. I'm just going to stay right here. Oh, man, did you see that natural disaster, that hurricane? Oh, that looked bad. I could help, but uh, I'll wait here for Jesus. What happens when we get in the dark is we get weak. We get scared. What church do you go to? Uh, I go to the Richland. How much going to have the desert? What was that? The Richland 7th. How much going to have the desert? Richland. Did you say Seventh-day Adventist? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. What do y'all believe? Uh, basically, we go to church on Saturday, don't eat pork. That's all I got. <laughs> it, it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? But see, that's what, this is what I'm trying to, for those, who, for those who find themselves in the dark spiritual apathy, I'm just trying to give you a context because the enemy is happy when you're there. He's good, not because he's a threat, but because you're a threat. Because the gospel being preached, is, it's a wave of preaching. It's a wave of good news. So when you leave here, you go home and people hear the good news. When you leave here, you go to your job and people hear the good news. The church ends triumphant. Ephesians 6, 13 says, I'm going to pull it back up. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be able, you will still be standing. The evil day is coming. But here's some practical things I want to give you real quick. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up now. 
do some practical quick things. Every believer, this is what you can start with right now. Maybe you're feeling like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm, I'm just not feeling as strong. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm defeated. I feel like I'm confused. I feel like I'm angry. Things aren't working out. I just, I'm just not where I need to be. The pressure is hard. The attack is hard. The strategy is tough on me. Let me just give you some four things that every believer, every believer should have in their life. Every person who is following God should be doing on a daily basis. Listen, doesn't have to be deep doesn't have to be that great. Just four things. Four things if you can do this every single day. Here's the first one, and that is to pray. Listen, prayer is simply communicating with God. It's simply having a conversation. Here's the good thing about the conversation. It's not one-sided. Hey, God, I just want to let you know I need this, this, that, and the third. I'm really sorry about this. Yeah, that was my bad, and um, I'll talk to you tomorrow. God's like, wait, 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 wait. Prayer is conversation. Prayer is, let me hear what you have to say. And nine times out of ten, when you give more time for God to speak to you, there are, <laughs> it's a sweet ride. Prayer, every single day. And I'm not just talking about on your knees. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about a conversation with God. A honest conversation with God. A real convert. God, I feel like slapping this person to the white meat. That's what I feel like. I feel like hitting this. Y'all don't feel this way sometimes. Maybe it's me. Pray for me. I just feel like handling my business right now. And, and, and what I need, God, is you to, to, I need to listen to you and show me why that is the biggest mistake I could ever make. Prayer. Some of you, hey, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's it. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. That's it. You ain't, I mean, there's more. There's more to say. And you don't have to be all deep. Oh, great God of Jacob and Abraham, thou art thou. You know, you ain't got to do all that. God, I need you. Some of the best prayers are just simply help. Prayer. And then. Then there's Bible study. Listen, sometimes when you don't hear from God, it's not that he's not speaking to you. Listen to me carefully. It's that he's already spoken. Yeah. Any parents in here? Go put your shoes on. Go put your shoes on. Go put your shoes. Go put, put, your, put your shoes on. Still ain't got the shoes on. What you want me to do? No, but I just didn't understand what you meant. What, what, what did he say? Ask your brother. I'm not saying it again. Right? We felt like that as parents. Praise God. God is more patient than us. But sometimes he's saying, you're going to get through this. But God, it just doesn't. You're going to get through this. But God, I just don't understand. You're not here. You're going. You're going to get through this. I'm just, I asked you to do this, this, that, and the third, and you didn't do it. You're going to get through this. But, but you don't understand. The doctor said this, and they say that, and he said he's going to leave if I don't do this right away. And God says, go back and check the record. Because I did it for Moses, and I did it for David, and I did it for Ruth, 
and I did it for Esther, and I did it for Jacob, and I did it for the blind beggar, and I did it for the woman in Samaria. And because I did it, I can do it for you. I did it. And sometimes you just have to get into the Bible and open it and study it. Not just read it surfacely, not just just reading something, but actually understanding, actually taking the time to get to know who Jesus is through the Scripture. And the Scripture is what we have, and we're blessed to have it. There are brothers and sisters who live all across this world who just wish they had a Bible. And we have them laying around. And God has said, just open your Bible and study it. It don't have to be deep, maybe just one verse. Sometimes when I'm studying, I can't get past one verse. You know what I'm saying? When it gets good, you're like, man, God's so loved. Man, wait a minute. That's deep. Now, you might not be ready for studying with some people yet because they might just, you know, give you too much. But, but just start wh- wherever you are. Maybe you've never even read the Bible before. Just, just start with something really simple and watch God speak to you. Prayer, Bible study. Here's, a, here's the third one. Worship. Now, when I'm talking about worship, I'm not just talking about singing. See, coming here and singing, that's like going out to eat. Okay, let me break it down. That, because I don't, I just, I'm just guessing that most of you don't have a praise team in your house. Guess, maybe, close. You don't have an organ in your house. Maybe, okay, you don't have somebody in your house that you can just sit down and let them sing to you. So this is going out to eat. But if this is the only time you eat, then you can complain. Well, I don't like this. I, 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 wish, I wish, I don't like my steak this way. I like it. I don't like this song. I didn't, I didn't like that song. That's going out to eat. But when you worship on your own, and you cook, and you eat, even if it's top ramen and peanut butter and jelly, when you get some rich food that you don't have to cook, and you don't have to clean up the dishes, I don't know about you, but I'm appreciating it. And see, worship is not a moment. It is a posture. It is a posture of the heart to get as low as you can and say, God, I'm always up here, but I'm lowering myself I'm going to get low as I can. All the way down here. This is my posture, God. And, and I'm giving you my worship because I'm honoring the fact that you are greater than me. I don't need to see God eye to eye, and I definitely don't need to see God looking down. Worship says I'm putting myself in a posture that says, God, I'm honoring of your presence. You're here. You're not just here in spiritual moments, but you're here in people. Because there are sometimes God will send a person in your life, and he's saying, I need you to do something with that person. And he's saying, that's my presence. I'm bringing someone to you to remind you of where I am. Worship every day. God, I'm just setting this part of time, this time apart for you. I can't sing, but I'm going to sing in this car. I don't care if anybody looks at me crazy. I don't care what it is. This is my time that I'm connecting to you. And I'm saying, God, I'm less than you. Here's the last one. Prayer, Bible study, worship. Here's the most 
important one, I would say. This is the one a lot of us miss. This is where we stay in the dark. Here's the last one. You ready for this one? You might not like this one, though. Service. Ooh, that's good. That's good. It's hard, but it's real. Serving others. See, the disciples, not just the 12, but the disciples, he was like, I need to send you guys out. I need y'all to go into the towns and deliver people and heal people. They're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean heal, heal people, deliver people? Yeah, go heal them, deliver them. Can you give us a stipend? Can we get a check? Nope, no check. Can we get an iPhone? Can we connect with you? No, just take one pair of shoes, take a backpack, just go. If they don't feed you, then move on. But just go out there and do it. And as they went, as they went out, the Spirit began to fill them. See, the 12 didn't always go out until Jesus died. The other ones went out. And they came back saying, man, we were healing people. We saw all kind of victories. Can I just tell you, some power is not going to come until you go. There's something about serving. There's something about saying, I've been sitting in this same seat for 20 years. I've been sitting next to an empty seat for 25 years. I'm not going to stop until somebody else is in my seat. Somebody new is in my seat. There's something about serving that is a part of pulling you out of that moment. Can I just tell you a dark place? Jesus is having the last supper with his disciples. They're eating. And Jesus, first of all, they don't even realize what Jesus is getting ready to do. They're complaining. Listen to this. They're complaining that nobody's there to wash their feet. Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. Instead of recognizing a moment of humility, guess what they start doing? Arguing with Jesus. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do it. Jesus, you can't wash my feet. Jesus washes their feet. They're sitting around. Jesus is dropping knowledge. He's saying, I'm getting ready to die. This is my cup. This is my blood. He's breaking this down to them. And what's so sad is there's somebody in their circle named Judas who the Bible says at the same time he's explaining spiritual thing, things, the enemy is coming into the heart of Judas. And Judas leaves to begin the process to betray Jesus. Here's what's bad about it. His brothers didn't even recognize it. Didn't even know. Oh, Judas just went to get something to eat. I think Judas was checking his email. And Judas's heart is being filled with the enemy, and they have no idea. Can I just tell you that there are people in this church who leave rushing out of here, conform, I mean, excuse me, conflicted and hurting, and when you put your position in a, in a place of position that says, no, this time I'm going to take the towel. This time I'm going to take the basin. This time I am going to serve. You are doing it in a way that Christ would have us do it, and I'm just telling you, it's sweet when you serve Jesus. It's sweet when you serve people. It's sweet when you lower yourself down and make space and make room for God's people who need it. We don't end on the weak side. We end triumphant. We end strong. 
We end with the trophy. We end celebrating. And I'm just wondering if there's people in this room today that recognized that perhaps you are being tempted to do this. It's hard to affect people's lives when they don't see you. It's hard to have power where you're not engaged in the battle. And so maybe God is saying your weak spots, your, your lowness, your, your sleepiness needs to be engaged by pulling you out and putting you in the world to live a life. Here's what I'm saying. I better close. I told you I felt like preaching long. I better close. I better sit down. I'm looking forward to the day where 60% of this church doesn't have a seat. I'm looking forward to the day when I hear a complaint. Pastor, I have nowhere to sit because there's all these new people here and I, don't, I can't sit down. I'm looking forward to that complaint. I'm looking forward to the day where there's 40, 50 people in the parking lot. I look forward to the day where our children's ministries are staffed and there's hundreds of kids and there's two or three services and there's people, there's a parking lot that is full constantly and we're trying to figure out how do we add a service. We're trying to figure out, we got too many people that volunteers to fill all these spots. I'm looking forward to the day when your seat is empty or your seat is filled with somebody else. And if you got to get mad at me about it, so be it. If you got to be offended, so be it. Because I'm seeing a world that needs a church who is going to be triumphant and is going to be confident and is going to seek those who are lost no matter what it costs. Father, we pray today for those who may feel alone, for those who may feel that their foundation is slipping, for those who may feel they can't connect the way they used to, I pray today, first of all, that you'll let them know that you are a God who's not afraid of the dark. When any time we call, you will answer. I pray, Lord, today that something will stir in the hearts of your people. That they would experience joy and jubilation of knowing what it feels like to be filled with the Spirit of God and to serve others the way you've served. Being in the dark sometimes, Lord, just feels like we're not connected. And I pray today that you would connect people, that you would connect this church in a way that nobody feels alone, nobody feels abandoned, nobody feels not good enough, nobody feels judged, that everyone here knows this is their house because they belong to you. And Lord, help us. Help us to stay connected with you. Help us to serve you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's stand and let's sing and let's celebrate.